but there's a second like almost invisible layer of targeting that we can't access only meta can do where it will show your ads to people who like doing the thing that you want them to do and like your type of content so for example say you put a lead magnet out there and you want to send people through to there, Meta will filter that interest base to audience as such to then say, go and find me the people who click on links and show my ad to those because they're most likely to take the action that I want them to do. And then can you also find people within that that like video too? So it will start to show your content to people who like your type of content. So if you have a mixture, you're basically getting into every nook and cranny of that audience because people who like statics will see statics. People who like videos will see videos. People who like carousels will see carousels. So you need to cater to this invisible layer of targeting that they don't tell us about. Hello and welcome to the Audience Growth Podcast. I'm your host, Nikki Hutchison, and I'm delighted you're here. On today's episode, we're talking about something that we don't often talk about on this podcast, and that is paid ads. My guest today is an ads expert, so we'll be diving into Google ads as well as meta ads, as I know this is something lots of you have been wondering about recently. As you might know, I grew both of my businesses to beyond six figures without paying for ads. But now that we're scaling this business, we regularly use meta ads to get extra reach and generate more conversions. I've also recently become a digital trainer for Google and going through their training has got me even more interested in Google ads too. Plus, Michelle is super lovely as well as knowledgeable. So all in, I'm excited for today's conversation. Before we dive into all things ads with Michelle, I need to tell you about something special I've put together that you don't want to miss. The Marketing Insiders Festival is a completely free one-day online festival of marketing, and I've invited some brilliant women who have all achieved amazing things using marketing to share their stories with you and teach you how to use marketing to achieve these things too. From how to grow a high-performing email list, to building an entire business from a free Facebook group, to selling to corporates capitalizing on the latest content trends and getting a better return on your digital marketing investment, these are the things you need to focus on to supercharge your business today and to give yourself the best start to 2024. So pause the podcast for a moment and sign up for free at nikkihutchison.com forward slash festival. Now on with today's episode and it's time to welcome Michelle McCanns to the podcast. Michelle manages ads for big global brands as well as small businesses and also delivers training so that you can learn how to tackle your own paid ads. Hi, Michelle. It's great to have you here today. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. You are very welcome. So let's just dive straight in. Can you tell us about your day-to-day role as an ad specialist? I get so many questions about this, but what do you actually do for your clients? Yeah, I mean, to be honest, as you might imagine, it varies quite widely because I offer actually three different types of things, as most ads managers do. So we have done for you services, done with you services and done by you services. Now, done by you is obviously like DIY. So I help people with courses, you know, and sort of make sure that people are getting their own ad campaigns up there and running and they're presenting themselves in the way that they want to and getting success with their ads done for you, which is usually the one that takes up most of the time. We do various things. So we are doing things like building advertising strategies. So looking at what your competitors are doing, what you're trying to do and putting plans together basically to get you where you want to be. We might be doing audience research. We might be doing competitor research. 
We might be looking at creative ads. We might be putting creative together for them. So that might be the actual visuals, the video. It might be the copywriting itself, working with influencers. We've got reporting. We've got all sorts of stuff that we sort of get into. And to be honest, the list just goes on and on and on, really, of what we need to do. But generally, the idea is, is that we are always looking at people's ad accounts and we're responding to what the data is telling us and we'll do what we need to do to get better results, you know. Or if we're getting great results, we might go and look at other things, you know. So we're, we're always a very, very busy bunch, but generally keeping our ear to the ground, looking at what's going on. And that's something I find people are not necessarily aware of when they first start thinking about investing in ads is just the amount of work that is involved in the management of the ads. So that is often what takes up so much time and is quite often a cost that people maybe don't think about when they're thinking about running ads. Is that kind of what you come across as well? I would completely agree. I do see people all the time who might run their own ads and they set an ad and they forget about it and they get some results. But then when we look at it, we can see that that ad is like massively, massively fatigued and they haven't been looking at it and they haven't been responding to what the data is telling us. So therefore, the results that they're getting with the budget just isn't being maximised. And that's a real shame to me. You know, there is a lot you need to do to keep on top of it. It is not a set and forget sort of situation, which I think many business owners are so busy, they often treat it that way, but you're never going to get the best out of your ad spend if you do that. And so is there a ratio between how much somebody is going to invest in the ads themselves and how much they can expect to spend on management of those ads? Yeah, I mean, it does sort of depend. So we can talk about budget for sure. It's always a controversial topic, as you might imagine. Yeah, I'm sure. (laughs) Some people do really just have like what they spend on an ads manager versus what they spend ads management wise can be just one to one, you know, so they'll spend as much on an ads manager as they do um, the ad spend itself, because that ads manager is investing so much of their time that it requires that, you know, it's that job in itself. But then you get some people who are fortunate enough to have much bigger budgets where, you know, they might be spending a tenth on an ads manager as they are on the ad spend, you know, sometimes more than that. So it does sort of really depend on where you are at. But I tend to find when people are starting out, they definitely seem to be that more one-to-one sort of ratio of management versus ad spend. And so what do you recommend? Because I know you work with people at, you know, many different types of businesses and different stages, big brands, small business owners. What would you recommend? So our audience of listeners are mainly small business owners. What is your recommended approach for somebody who's maybe thinking and keen to run ads for their business for the first time? What is your course of action that you recommend to them? Yeah, so I am not a huge fan of booster posts if they are implemented in the way that Meta tries to get you to implement them, which is with all those fancy notifications saying, hey, put £10 behind me and I'll get you in front of a million people. Those sorts of alerts aren't always that helpful. But actually, what I would say is if somebody is really just getting started and getting into the mindset of paying for ads, I would recommend setting up a campaign which is basically looking at your best performing posts from your organic social media and amplifying those through your ad account and basically putting your best performers out there. So you're just giving yourself an extra bit of juice to get your best posts and get your best foot put forward and get that out there into the world. And then you'll really start to see at that point 
the benefit of running ads. Because I do think when people are starting out, they might look at it and go, well, I just don't see why I need to invest in ads. It's not really going to get me what I need to. I can get that for free anyway. But once you start to see the data coming in the back end of what you can achieve with one post with, say, a 50 quid budget, you know, you will soon start to build up that picture for yourself and sort of see how that is a worthwhile process for you to go through. And that's why I recommend starting there is that for many business owners, it's a bit of a a jump for them to go from something that they get for free to having to pay for it. And many, many business owners find that really tough at the beginning. So that's where I recommend starting. And then I would say, actually, start to learn how to do your own ads before you get somebody involved into them. Now, I'm not saying you can't involve somebody off the bat. But I just think generally it's always better to have a basic understanding of how these things work, because then when an ads manager is talking to you about click through rates or CPM costs or all these other things, you'll have the first clue what they're actually talking about. So that's how I would get started and would try to sort of get something myself up and running before outsourcing to an ads manager, unless you've got budgets, which are sort of a thousand pound a month plus then at that point, I would consider outsourcing to an ads manager just because you're then going to get the most out of working with that person. And the amount of management time starts to increase as well because your ads start to fatigue a bit quicker and things. And you mentioned meta ads there, but you also help people with Google ads, don't you? I do. Yeah, I do. So yeah, meta and Google, and they work very, very beautifully with one another. I am seeing a lot at the moment where brands are doing general building awareness over on Meta because you you can do that quite cheaply. And then they're using Google ads to mop up people at the bottom of the funnel to people who are ready to buy and might be searching for your product or service. They're then using Google ads to sort of mop that up. And that actually is a strategy that's working quite well for small business owners at the moment with limited budgets, but want to show up in two different places. And... Are there any specific types of business that you think should favour more meta over Google and vice versa? So honestly, I haven't really come across a business that has not had success on meta specifically. So I've had everything from sort of schools to HR businesses to alcohol brands to clothing brands, you know, a whole diverse range of people who are advertising on Meta. And honestly, with the amount of users that are on Meta, there is generally going to be people in your audience that you're going to be able to get in front of. So there isn't actually on Meta a business type that I would say not to go for. There might be different approaches you need to take depending on the business that you're in. You know, if you're in a really small niche industry, you might need to think a bit differently about that. But if you've got something which is, you know, more broader appeal, you know, knock yourself out on Meta. Whereas Google, Google can be a bit trickier. Now, a good example of that is I'm working with an alcohol brand at the moment and they are just really struggling to break through in that particular market because it's a very, very saturated market. So they're finding that really quite tough. So if you're in something where you've got like really, really broad product, you actually might find that harder on Google because you're sort of competing with so many more fish. So actually, I tend to find more niche businesses do better on Google and broader businesses as a broad rule of thumb do better on Meta. But there are always, as ever, exceptions to that rule. So what would be an example of a niche business that you've seen do well or you think would do well on Google? 
So I suppose niche businesses have been people who are looking for very specific things. So I'm trying to think of a client I spoke to recently. One was people who are interested in their family history. So, you know, they wanted to learn how to trace back their family steps and they wanted to take that a bit more seriously and they got as far as they could maybe through other, you know, systems or competitors which are out there. So they are very specifically looking for a course that will help them with that. So they're typing into Google, give me a course which tells me about family history. I've also had another client who had children with behavioural issues. And on the whole, on Meta, whilst there are loads of people out there that were doing that, you'd probably have to spend quite a lot of money to find those people in that pool. Whereas she solely relied on Google Ads because people were typing into Google how do I deal with my child who is doing this? And because she was typing in that very specific thing, her ads were able to be served to her target audience that was searching for that specific thing. But as you might imagine, there wasn't loads and loads of people searching for it. But when people were searching for it and getting the right ad, they were converting really, really well. Amazing. So having tried both with her, we actually found that that particular example did incredibly well with Google Ads. And she actually didn't really need to use Meta ads after that because she got that Google campaign so spot on that she didn't need to. But the beauty of her, she was a very niche, needs-based business, you know. So if you're looking for the solution, you'll come across her and you're going to buy what she's got to offer to help you with that problem. Yeah, that makes complete sense. We have a lot of coaches and marketing consultants listening to the podcast So what would you recommend for them? Would it be the combination of Google and Meta? So on Meta, I would suggest doing something like trying to gather email addresses. So I would use like lead magnets, those sorts of things, and try and get that first touch point with your customer. Meta is a really good platform to do that on because you can get in front of that volume of people that you need to. And that's the key difference between Google and Meta. Google is all based around searching for a specific need or a problem, whereas Meta is able to just push your message out to millions if, you know, if you've got the budget to do so, thousands, if not millions of people who are in that sort of audience, you know, that might be your target audience. So it's much more interruptional on Meta. So for something like a lead magnet, where you're trying to just get volume of email addresses, I would use Meta. And then for Google, I would definitely use that if I was a coach. But obviously, you would treat the campaign as people just searching for the particular solution that you offer. So the two things can work hand in hand. It's just that you would potentially have a very different offering for your ads on Meta versus Google, if that makes sense. Because Google, you'd probably push push them through to your solution. You know, if you've got a course or if you've got a program, you'd push them through to that. Whereas Meta, yeah, you'd push them over to your lead magnet. So would you say that obviously the combination works really well? And then in terms of the final conversion into a sale, it's Google then really for that type of business. Google does tend to do better bottom of funnel for sure. That's the case across the board with Google because people are already problem aware. You know, they are already searching for a solution to the problem that they have. So half the buying journey has already been done. You know, you're halfway there you've just got to get in front of them now. So 
So they're very, very problem aware. And that's the difference on meta. They're maybe not even problem aware. They might not know you exist. They might not know they have the problem. They might not have even really given it a lot of thought before. And you're trying to interrupt them while they're looking at cat memes or whatever they're like looking at on those platforms. <laughs> you're trying to interrupt them and say, hey, look at me, you know. So it's a completely different ball game with it, which is why Google can convert better than meta. However, Meta can get you in front of a far bigger volume. So even if you're getting smaller conversion rates over on Meta, the sheer volume that you can get in front of is so much greater, meaning that there is greater potential. And then the whole funnel starts working together and it's absolutely amazing. (laughs) And it looks like the floodgates have opened and these leads and conversions just keep flowing in. So what are some of the client results that you have been most proud of, Michelle? Oh gosh, it's a a big question for for a number of years experience. But I think one of the ones I'm most proud of and I think in the world of ads, it wouldn't be considered one of the sexier results to get because it's not ROAS based at all. And everybody in our industry loves to talk about, I got X amount of ROAS, you know, and this, that and the other. And actually, this one isn't about that at all. But it was for a brand that I was working with, which I can't name who they are for legal reasons. But if you've ever drank an espresso martini, you're very likely to have drank it before. But I started working with those guys and we basically looked at what they were doing from a global perspective. And they were basically trying to build brand awareness. But what they were doing was completely ineffective. And we basically were able to take their budget, which actually for a global brand was a small budget. And we basically just redesigned their whole strategy to effectively recruit a whole host of new people into their world. So we were able to like, increase their reach by about 7,000% for the same budget as they had the previous year. And we built up like a retargeting audience of about 4 million people over the period of a year. We were able to then use that audience to launch in new markets because we could create lookalikes of those and those sorts of things. So for me, it was something that we took something that was really underperforming and shouldn't have been for the sort of brand that it was. But we were able to turn that into something which just operated so much better. So for me, whilst, as I say, I can't say that there's a big, you know, 10 row ass on it and all that sort of stuff. For me personally, I'm so proud of what we did there and how many people we got that brand in front of. And we completely transformed the brand awareness for that product and pushed it up by about four points, you know, over the point of that year, which is a pretty big deal in that particular industry. So, yeah, I loved it. Amazing. And they must have been delighted, even though, as you say, so ROAS return on ad spend, even though, as you say, you weren't able to evidence that, they must have still been delighted, right? I hope. (laughs) Oh, gosh, yeah, they absolutely were. And, And that's the thing with ads, you know, and this is why I always feel like no answer is black and white with it, because really what you get out of it is really dependent on what you're trying to achieve. And every business is different. If you're, you know, a business that's got physical products, you're going to have very different expectations around what ads can do for you versus if you're a coach, you know, you're going to have a very different view of what you need from it. And your whole strategy and your whole advertising plan needs to work with that. It needs to work with your business and what it is that you're trying to achieve out of it. It also needs to work with your peak periods, you know, and your non-peak periods and not necessarily what the rest of the world is saying. So 
what success looks like to a business is really, really different. And that's why I say that business, they weren't actually trying to get sales. Their main objective was building brand awareness, you know. So for me, the fact that we did that and, you know, that they are delighted just meant everything. So I don't care that I can't really shout about it on social media because we achieved exactly what that client wanted to achieve. And that's what we do with everyone that we work with. We look at what you're trying to do and we come up with a plan to help you get there. Yeah, and I love that you mentioned them having absolute clarity on what their business objective was at the start, because that's so, so important, isn't it? Oh, yeah, gosh, yeah. If you go in with the wrong idea and you're not on the same page, you know, one person's going to be looking at that thinking, hey, I was expecting all these leads. And the other person's like, hey, I got your business in front of all these people. Isn't that what you wanted? So it's so important to get on the same page before you do a single thing. And if you're not working with an ads manager, get really, really clear what you need. And... I feel like keeping up with all of the changes in digital marketing is a huge task, never mind trying to keep up with all the changes in paid digital. Do you have to do regular training to keep yourself up to date? Oh, yeah. I'm regularly in memberships where they're launching new trainings all the time. As you might imagine, Meta themselves are trying to train people. So I'm very lucky to be in a partner program. So we get all of the training as much as we need to. I must admit, it might sound controversial, but Meta isn't always the best source to find out, you know, what's working. Google is a bit better than Meta in that respect. But yeah, you regularly have to invest in your knowledge because things are just changing all the time, you know, and you know when Facebook are changing things because all of a sudden your results will plummet overnight. And we see less of that again with Google, but certainly with Facebook or even some of the other social media networks. You know when the developers are tinkering in the background because it all goes haywire and then all of a sudden we've got all this new stuff that we need to learn. And, you know, the amount of times I go on a meeting with a client and they go, can you show me this? And I'm like, oh, that's changed. Let's figure this out together. (laughs) That sounds really stressful. (laughs) It can be, it can be. But, you know, we're used to it by now. I think, you know, all your ads managers are so adaptable, you know, and that's why, as I say, we react to what's working And we do what we think is going to work, you know, and that comes from the experience we have. And that's the sort of experience we can bring to clients because we get the benefit of working on lots of different types of businesses and trying different things. Whereas if you're just on working on your type of business, you can only ever learn what you do. You know, you don't get to see the other types of things that are out there. Such a good point. And so... If anybody's listening and thinking, okay, I don't have the big budgets that have maybe been mentioned, but I would really love to access all of your knowledge that you're keeping up to date so rigorously and your experience, and I would like to learn from you how to do my own ads. How does that work? How can they tap into your services in that way? Yeah, so that is what we would call done with you services. So we do that in a couple of different ways. And this sort of depends on sort of locality, but generally we can offer packages which give you access to a pocket of time where every week, every other week, depending on how much you're spending and how regularly you're running ads, you can have access where we go in and we look at your account, you get tips and tricks on how to progress things. If there are things of concern, we'll tell you how to address that. So we can have that sort of consultancy-based approach where you're sort of just tapping into that knowledge as and when you need to, and you can go away and do that. But then I have some clients that want that level 
of consultancy, but they also then want just a little bit of time if they're not quite sure how to implement something. They want the option to add, you know, a few extra hours onto that every month for you to just say, can you just help me with this one specific issue? So we usually have access to your ad account so we can go in and we can see at real time what's happening as well. And if any alerts are coming through, we can sort of access that. But we generally are led by the person on the other end of it because everyone has sort of slightly different challenges. You know, some people struggle creatively, some people struggle with the tech. So we just really respond to you, you know, but that's where, as I say, we do it with you. The other thing that we offer as well is we can basically put together like an advertising strategy. So we'll basically look at your business, your objectives, your customers, and we'll put together a plan for you, which we'd suggest putting in place for the next six months. And then we can work with you to help you get that plan in place. So you know that all of that knowledge you're taking forward and you've got the best possible plan that you can go away and you can implement. And there's someone there for you to ask questions to. Sounds amazing. And you mentioned if we're thinking about things that people need to look out for if they're trying to manage their own ads, you mentioned being wary of boosted posts. What are maybe some of the other things that can go wrong when people are first exploring paid ads, let's say? Yeah. So one that I always tell people to watch out for is just check that you are setting start date and end dates to your campaigns, particularly if you're using daily budgets, because what can happen is people forget to turn off that end date and then all of a sudden they get a very surprised bill from Meta and they panic and say what's happened and sadly once it's spent, it's spent. And it's important to understand that Meta will charge you based on when somebody sees your ad. So whenever there is an impression, as we call it, which is just someone seeing it, you'll get charged that amount there. And then on Google, you get charged per click. So the two things work quite differently. So if someone sees your ad, but don't click it on Google, you won't get charged. Whereas on Facebook and Instagram, i.e. Meta, it works slightly differently than that. So that would be one thing. The other thing is... Don't put too many interests into your targeting. It used to be we used to be able to target every man and their dog with, you know, all sorts of interests, whereas now it's recommended not really to use more than four interests in any campaign if you go into a cold and interest-based audience. So that is definitely one of them. And then the third big watch out, I would say, is that I can see that people will put an ad out there and only put one type of creative in there. So they'll just put maybe a static you always want to make sure you have a variety of creative. So you want to make sure ideally you've got a static, a video and a carousel, ideally, because one, you could test what people are responding to. So that's sort of the first benefit of it. But the second benefit of it is that Meta in particular almost has like a two-tiered targeting infrastructure, if you like. So there's an interest-based targeting at the beginning. So let's just say you want to target women who live in the UK who like bananas, let's say. You've got that interest-level targeting and Meta will go and find all of the people that fall into that bracket. But there's a second, like almost invisible layer of targeting that we can't access, only Meta can do, where it will show your ads to people who like doing the thing that you want them to do and like your type of content. So for example, say you've put a lead magnet out there and you want to send people through to there, Meta will filter that interest base to audience as such to then say, go and find me the people who click on links and show my ad to those because they're most likely to take the action that I want them to do. And then can you also find people within that 
that like video too. So it will start to show your content to people who like your type of content. So if you have a mixture, you're basically getting into every nook and cranny of that audience because people who like statics will see statics. People who like videos will see videos. People who like carousels will see carousels. So you need to cater to this invisible layer of targeting that they don't tell us about. So always a good idea to have a variety in there. And if you can, have a variety of copy as well, because what lands with one person doesn't land with the other. Amazing. I feel like you just dropped some absolute (laughs) golden nuggets. Yeah. (laughs) Just before we finished up there, thank you so much for sharing that so openly. Happy to, happy to. So, Michelle, I'm sure that there will be people listening who are thinking, okay, this sounds a little less scary than it did before and might be interested in finding out about these different services that you offer. So where's the best place for them to connect with you? Yeah, the best places to come and find me is over on Instagram at tinyshellbythesea, or you can come and find me over on LinkedIn if you just search for Michelle McCants and you will find me there. Amazing. Thank you so much for joining me and for sharing so generously. And congratulations on your ad results sounding phenomenal. Thank you. Yo, happy to be here and happy to share. But yeah, if you need any more tips, come and find me over there. Will do. Thanks so much. Take care. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed today's episode with Michelle. I'll be back next week, this time with a solo episode, and I'd love to see you back here then. I'll be sharing my very practical steps that you can follow to ensure you can take a proper break for the holidays. It feels very American to describe it like that, but at the same time, I feel like it's an inclusive term that covers the entire period from pre-Christmas to post-New Year. That is my favourite holiday to take because I down tools completely. Yes, I might spend some time planning for the year ahead, but actually John and I are a little ahead of ourselves this year and have our planning dates booked in earlier in December. So unless you work in hospitality or events or similar industries, then this is the perfect time of year to take a proper break. Emails are quiet, meetings are non-existent. It's the dream. So I encourage you to tune in next week when I'll be walking you through how I plan out my break intentionally, making sure nothing interrupts it. Remember, if you didn't do this at the start of the podcast, stop what you're doing now and sign up to the Marketing Insiders Festival for free at nikkihutchison.com forward slash festival. Have a great week and I'll see you next Friday. Until then, take care and keep marketing.